Welcome to Savage Wonder, a podcast about warriors and artists. It's a series of long-form, one-on-one conversations with people who have a foot in the world of the artist and a foot in the world of the warrior. It's produced by the Veterans Repertory Theater, which is a creative hub for talented veterans and world-class performers to create compelling live theater and events. My guest today was Doc Oliver. Doc is a medically retired Navy corpsman with two deployments to Afghanistan. He's now an outlaw country singer and songwriter based out of the Central Coast of California. And on August 31st, 2021, the day we pulled out of Afghanistan, Doc released his first full-length record, Welcome Home, which is an autobiographical record about his life pre, during, and post Operation Enduring Freedom. Record was engineered, should be noted, by Grammy winner Mark Raines at his studio station house in Los Angeles, and it was mastered by multi-Grammy winner Pete Lyman in Nashville. Um, as I tell Doc a couple times, I think, during the episode, if I didn't like the music, I wouldn't have had him on. Um, music's awfully individual taste, and if you're going to have a long-form conversation with somebody, you better like what they do. Um, I did. It's it, He and I connected on Instagram about a week or two ago, and ever since then, I've, <laughs> I've been listening to his music. It's been, uh, as I tell him, I'm like, it's a tough listen, man. He, uh, he's been through some dark times and this music has been his light. It's been his way out. And you can tell as we talk, like he's cleaning out the carbon of a lot of dark experiences and he's doing it in the most productive way possible, which is crafting all that shit and turning it into light and turning it into something good. And um, the music is really good. I really like it. It it is, it's the kind of country music you don't really hear that much um, anymore. It's not like he talks how it's very narrative based. It's not uh, you know always verse refrain verse refrain. Um, and it's um, and he's telling stories. That's really what he is doing, and he's good at doing it lyrically. So it was fun to be able to sit down and talk with him and say, look, man, you're you're. Uh, you take me some dark places, um, but there's therapy in it. There's catharsis in it. There's um, redemption in it, I think, for listeners. And as he says, you can all, a lot of these songs, you can play at a bar. And if you're not listening to the words, you'll just enjoy the music. Um, but if you listen to the words and listen to the stories, uh, there's a lot of education that comes with the entertainment, I think. Anyway, interesting dude. It was a great conversation. The, uh, I think we did about two hours and that flew by. Um, just great to pick his brains. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer. I'm the artistic director of Vet Rep. And this is The Savage Wonder with Doc Oliver. Hey, man. Thanks for hey. coming on. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having me. Dude, I like the room. I, I'm seeing like, what, the yeah, wood paneling there and like horns and everything. It's a freaking badass little setup. Oh, yeah. It's my, this is my, uh, my, my office, you could say. It's That's kind awesome, of like, man. Damn. Yeah. It's, it's, it's our, it's one half of my garage. It's, it's where I, it's pretty much where I've written all my songs. And, uh, I mean, we, I, I gotta, I gotta, a good house, but this is my garage is my fucking favorite room. 
Yeah, tell me, tell me about that because I think I saw that um, when, when we first got in touch. I think um, you said something like your wife had kicked you out and like sent you to the garage and said, "Hey, start writing, motherfucker, or stop messing around." Something like that. What was the story with that? Yeah, kind of. I mean, um, I mean, that's kind of jumping into the middle of everything, but it's it was like a uh, um, just kind of like a try this out, you know, just go in there and get your demons out, do your thing and just like, you know, just do something or play your music. You know, I mean, we, we do have, we have three kids too. So it's not like I'm going to (laughs) be, you know, getting plastered and just trying to figure out to write a song in the house. I I come in the garage and kind of just turn the lights off and geek out a little bit. So, so let's start at the beginning then, um, and give it the context that it deserves. Um, where is the beginning for you? Did you start playing music first when you were a kid? Were you just into music generally and then the military happened? Or were you like, hey, I, I want to go in the military and suddenly you found yourself doing music a bunch of years later? No, I mean, the music was never, it was never like a dream or a passion or, you know what I mean? Something that I wanted to do. It was just something that growing up, I had a guitar in my house and then I learned how to play it pretty good. So when, you know, as a young guy growing up, um, it's just a form of entertainment when we, me and my buddies are partying or something like that. Um, like at the end of the night, you know, you bring it with you to the lake or something like that, but that was it. Um, I did kind of write a few songs growing up. I mean, kind of the same way as how I, you know, I'd come to my garage as an outlet, you know, when you're, when you're young in your teenage years or something, you get like grounded or like, you know, I don't know if something happens, you get in a fight or whatever, you, you know, you just kind of like hang out in your room. So right. I, I had it, I had it as that form of an outlet early on. I, I mean, but nothing serious. And then, yeah, I mean, um, really to get into it, the, the military, um, my, my family background kind of, the military goes deep. Um, okay. my, 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 yeah, my, I saw my all dad. the, all the memorabilia there on the wall. It looked like everything was really dress right dress and there was a lot yeah, of history. there's. So. Yeah, there's, it's not even, it's not even all up, but there's, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it goes deep and, and, you know, it's something that was kind of like an obvious option for me. Um, mm-hmm. and I, but I didn't, I was also kind of rebellious, a little punk ass kid. And I didn't want to, I wanted to try, you know, like all my other friends were going to colleges and stuff. And, you know, I wanted to do that life and I tried it for a little bit. It just, it didn't work out. Um, but yeah, my, my grandpa, my, my dad's biological, uh, dad, he, he passed away when my, when my dad was about 16, but he was in, and then when my grandma got remarried, uh, so my dad's stepdad, uh, world war II vet, he, he had a purple heart. I don't, I, I never got to really understand, um, what had happened to him, but he was a cool guy. Um, so you don't even know what then, he was in, in world war II. N- no, I mean, well, it, so it's my dad's stepdad, you know, and, um, but was he Pacific I mean, or was he, was he from the Japanese or the Germans? Do you know? Did I'm you, pretty sure the Germans. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. He, and he, and he, and I, I know, he, I know for a fact he, I mean, I don't know what had happened, but, um, you know, he got injured. Um, and then he actually had a, he had a, a daughter in France. And then like met when he met my grandma, he's like, Hey, I got, I knocked someone up over there. So she, I don't, I don't know how it worked, but, oh. but then my, my mom's side, uh, you know, her, her, her dad and my dad was my my father was a corpsman in the navy and my and his brother my uncle it's just it just runs deep so um 
so yeah, it was something that, that, you know, I didn't really appreciate as a young guy. And then I, you know, kind of got a little bit older and mature, you know, just in my later teenage years and then decided to join. So were um, they lifers? Were these, was there, were they career military or did they just do stints because of wartime just, or stints because of the draft or? Yeah, just stints for, for wartime pretty much. Um, okay. and, uh. I mean, you know, just joining, so you joining as young guys. You, you were like going around being a military brat and living that nope. life. Yeah. No, nope, no. Nope. My, 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 they all got out and, you know, got fucking jobs at the telephone company and certain stuff like that. My, my grandpa, you know, when he got back from World War II, he opened up a diner, um, you know, and, 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 uh, and had a couple different things that he did for the town. Um, so, I mean, that was a different time though. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, but, but I mean, for me, when I got in, um, it, it was, uh, it, it I, I liked it a lot, you know, and, and especially deploying, um, like our first, our first pump was close to nine months long. We got extended, wow. uh, in 2000, in 2011 and it, it kind of gets addicting, you know? So I got in and then I, and then when, when we got back, uh, I was with first battalion, third Marine division. So one, three, uh, mm-hmm. on Kaneohe Bay, Oahu, and uh, I was with weapons company, uh, Cat Two. So I was their corpsman, um, and, and then getting back, you know, they're they're slotted to go on a mew, you know, and go mm-hmm. go on, you know on the Pacific and and go train and do some fun stuff. But um, I ended up getting selected to get on a twelve man ETT or embedded training team, and that's my second deployment uh, was just a couple months after I got back. I pretty much got back, went wow. on leave. I, I got back, I went back to, uh, to, um, 29 Palms, uh, Camp Wilson, yeah. the train again with these new guys. And, uh, and then we went back. So um, let me back up a little yeah. bit. So when you joined, um, obviously the war was our, both wars were going hot and heavy. So you knew what you were joining. Why did you pick the Navy though? why did you pick the Navy and why did you pick being a corpsman? Um, honestly, it is, I guess you could like at the top of my head, it was like two, two sided. Um, my uncle and my dad were corpsmen and like, I was mm. thinking like medical, that's, that's pretty cool. And, and it'd be a good trait to learn, but also, you know, my parents, my, it's in my blood, you know? Um, yeah. and, and I just knew that they're respected people, but my parent, my, my dad and my uncle was like, don't go FMF. Don't join, don't go green side, be a corpsman, be an x-ray technician or something like that. Learn some shit. But my, you know, my punk ass was like, no, I'm going to go with the Marines, you know? So they were, they weren't, they were upset, but I read, is that what they had done? Had had they, had they been FMF or is that what they would have done? Is it, you think, or yeah, no, is that what what they did? Were were they embedded with Marines or were they working Uh, in the hospital? Yeah. My, my, my dad, when he joined, he, he joined the Naval Reserve. Uh, Yeah reserves and then he ended up going to um it's it was called i think it was fmtb for me field medical training battalion but for him it was fmss uh okay. so he ended up going greenside but not by choice and then my uncle uh he ended up going to guam but i don't think he went greenside okay but um but what it more with that being said i, I ended up reading that book uh, lone survivor um <laughs> Yeah. And, and I, you know, I was young and I'm like, it was like probably the first book I've read. Like I didn't even read a book in high school, I feel like, but 
just kind of knowing that that you know that that guy was a corpsman or you know what i mean it was just like oh yeah okay this this sounds more up my alley i think you know um and it and it was great i i i loved being that um you know because you're you're just one of the guys you're just once you get to the green side it's um and especially on deployment like you're just you're just another boot on the ground until you know someone actually if if someone unfortunately gets hurt but um but yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a good, I loved it. Tell me the difference in your experience between being in garrison and being out in the field, um, on deployment. Um, did you find it freeing? Were you, did you resent being in a garrison in a training environment or in a just day to day, the nine to five grind of a, of a military life that's non-deployed? Did you find that limiting? Like, what was the experience like for you? It sounds like you really dug your deployments and you liked getting out the door and being part of it. Well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. There's definitely times where I was just like, fuck this, you know? And, and, sure, and right. then, um, and like, you know, wanting, wanting to get out. Um, but I think for my situation personally, like where, when I got like, you know, went through all the trainings and, and stuff and then got to, um, one, three, got to the Island. We went to, you know, there is Bridgeport training and then PTA on the big Island. And then you go to 29 Palms, uh, you know, to, to do the training. So I was, we were always so busy. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, the pig labs, you know, did a couple of those, um, where, and then you're on an Island too, you know? So it's like, it, and you're on, you're on Hawaii. It's pretty, pretty cool. But I was never on that Island long enough to get like Island fever or, right. Um, and then, and, and then also just popped in my head being a corpsman, um, green side, I'm just going to say it like, it was way more relaxed than, you know, the grunts that I was with, like they had to do a bunch of shit. And like, I could tell my gunnery sergeant that I'm at the BAS and I could tell the fucking guys at the BAS that I'm out in the field and I'm just fucking sleeping in my rack, you know? <laughs> so, so you get away with, you get away with a lot of shit. <laughs> and it's, and then you're also the guy sticking you know first sergeant sergeant majors with with fucking right. vaccines and all this shit you know and they don't want you to hit bone or something so they're like super nice to you so it was a different dynamic um i had a good click with a, a lot of the the you know the higher ups too um and uh and yeah so it was um it was, yeah, it was, it, it was I, I think, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think to answer your question, um, I don't think I, I was ever in garrison long enough to feel that, you know, like, That's fair. and yeah. It, yeah. And if, and if I was, it was like, um, I don't know it, it, if, I don't know, I feel like it, maybe it was my, my own fault if I was, if I was, I don't know, getting Just upset about something. Yeah. 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 No, I, I could, I can understand that, but then you so it really, well, was it going to be a career for you? Did you, when you got in, were you like, yeah, I could do this for 20 or were you like, I think good for right now. No, I, I think so. Cause I mean, like, like I mentioned earlier, it was really addicting mm-hmm. and, um, the freedom you have overseas, you know, for, for medically too, uh, it's like the best practice you can, you know, like people yeah. say you want to learn Spanish, just, just yeah. go to Mexico, live in Mexico for a little while and you'll learn it. Um, you know, as far as medicine over there, local nationals every day, you know, you're, you're there, you, there's always something to do. Um, and then, you know, being, being the, the only corpsman on, on our team, 
like at our fob, you're patrolling three times a day too. Um, which was fine with me because I didn't have to stand post or do any of that stuff on my first tour. But, um, you know, so you're, you're, you're like, you're this, the shit that you learn, you know, stateside, and then you get to actually do it. And you don't really have to worry about like someone suing you or like, you know, like you're, you get on a sat, you get on a sat phone and you call an officer somewhere and be like, Hey man, like, here's his symptoms. Like, Oh, yeah, I get you know, like Spike is back with this and blah blah blah. You're like, fuck yeah, like this is I'm a doctor now, you know, like this is fucking cool. So that yeah, gets addicting. Yeah. Bank to mastery. yeah, it's like, man, I just yeah. went cool for this and now I'm actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that that gets addicting. And then and then the other side of it too is just like, you know, just getting intel and um, you know, because sometimes you do something good for the local nationals, they give you a little intel back too. And so like the operational side of it was kind of fun and uh, a lot of fun. And um, it's just, but both of my tours were completely fucking opposite of each other. Like, you know, like, um, and it was, it yeah, was talk kind to of me about those talking weird. about that first one. Were they both in Helmand? Yeah, they're both in Helmand. And, okay. um, and uh, you know, the first one was kind of, I remember we were over there and we were about to go on a night patrol or something like that. And our gunnery sergeant is like, Hey, uh, he got something to say. Well, we got him. I, I guess Osama bin Laden's dead. And mm-hmm. I was like, fuck yeah, cool. And then I was like, that's, can we go home now? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, we're, we're extended. <laughs> we're we're going to be here till November. I was like, fuck. But, um, so it's cool. It was, it was, it was at like, it was, it was in the deny enemy freedom of movement. And then like hearts and minds kind of transfer, you know, like it was like kind of mm-hmm. right in there. We stopped, we stopped going around just you know looking for taliban and stuff and it went more to this like system where we'd use the thing was called the bat and hide system where we were actually going to villages and getting fingerprints and ice retinal scans and just collecting data and stuff like that which seemed honestly like you asked me about being in garrison like doing this shit was like way more it was fucking boring you know like or like just getting these people people's intel and then the crazy thing is, is is that we'd work with the ANA or AMP and they'd arrest mm-hmm. some guy and it's like, and then they, they, we checked the bat and hide system. It's like, this guy was arrested fucking last month for this shit. Like, how is he already out? You know? Right. Right. So yeah, the revolving um, door system. Yeah. And was it yeah. for, for, on that deployment? So did you see an uptick in violence uh, while you were there or did you, was it kind of consistent throughout, throughout your whole deployment? I think that, where we were at, like the southern part of Helmand, um, it was, it was mild. But what we were seeing was a lot of local nationals getting fucked up. Like it wasn't oh, the okay. ta- Taliban and people. You know, they they weren't like coming after us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there'd be some IEDs in the ground and stuff like that. Right, but um, right. but firefights and stuff. It, it was it was pretty slow. And, okay. Um, and then. So, you know, so how did you feel? how did you feel in that? Deploy- I mean, like after the deployment was over and you're coming home, did you feel like, man, I really got after it. You know, I did a lot of stuff. I did my job. You know, there's a lot of satisfaction. Or did you feel like, no, there, there's, I got more, uh, I got more miles to put under my belt, you know, with this, like there's more work to be, do- be done over there for me. I honestly felt like, um, I felt like this is way more fun. Or like if I'm going to be doing stuff, I'd rather be over here. I feel like being in garrison is, is kind of a waste of time. And I didn't want to feel like, you know, get that, 
you know, that, um, being home and just kind of, I don't know, not bored, but Mm -hmm. the training and all that, I don't know. So it it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and what, what, what I was witnessing over there was, um, you know, and, and this is, it, it's kind of full circle now is, is that, you know, yeah, we just pulled out of Afghanistan and that was, I knew it was going to be fucking bad. Like I went in July, I was like, what the hell is late, late July? I was like, what, what the fuck's going on? But, yeah. um, but you know, we, we're seeing things on the news, like all of a sudden, you know, guys pulling babies over, you know, Hesco yeah. or whatever. And, and, and all these cool things we've been doing that shit for 20 years Like yeah. we, we get, we get over there. We've been caring about these people and literally putting our lives before them. And, you know, I personally helping a bunch of local nationals and kids. And, uh, just because like, we're, we're living in their place, you know, in their town, it's like, um, so well, it you, was like, that, you were part of that hearts and minds push. So you were doing like med caps and things like that, where you're going out and really, you know, treating people, treating the locals a lot. Right. Yeah. I mean, they would, they would come to, they, you know, they'd show up at oh, our, yeah. one of our gate, one of our, you know, our front or back gate, you know, or just you know, yelling doctor or something like that. But, um, but yeah, you know, it was, it was, uh, medicine is just an, another way to build rapport, you know, and relationships yeah. with those people. So, but it, yeah, so it was cool. So, so that was rewarding in itself. And then also, um, believing and trying to think that, you know, um, cause we, we, on my first tour, we, we take a couple ANA with us and we knew about green on blue attacks and like, you don't obviously trust these people. Um, doesn't matter if they're soldiers or police or not. Um, so, you know, I knew the corruption was there, but my second tour, when I got, when I got selected to be a corpsman on the, it was an ANCOP team. So there's the ANA, which is like the army, the Afghan national army or whatever. And then the AMP the police. Mm-hmm. And then they had this other team called ANCOP which they joked it was like their SWAT team, but it was just a bunch of lazy F- – I don't know who what the fuck they were. Right, but, and that um, got more – that got changed over the years. They changed that into multiple different iterations and the nomenclature changed and all that. But yeah, that's right. Yeah, they kept trying to craft an elite force out of that. It was it was ridiculous, but we we um, we we were at a, the district chief of police headquarters, the DCOP. Um, it was right next to Fob Delhi. Um, which was a place that I'd go visit every now and then on my first tour if we needed to, to like resupply some stuff. But um, Fob Deli had like you know a good amount of Marines, and that like they had a motor T and all this stuff, and um, you know an nice LZ, and it was just, it was a pretty good established Fob. I mean, as mm-hmm. far as the ones that I that that my team had, um, you know, a, the year prior, this was like a nice one, and um, and then right next door kind of was the district chief of police headquarters. So, um, we worked with the D cop, uh, Sarwa John, I was the, the, the dude's name. And yeah. then, um, and then our, uh, we, you know, they, they lived on the bottom floor. We lived on the top floor. Their, their jail cell was below us, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was kind of nice knowing that there is a, an established base, you know, a force that's close by. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's where, that's kind of where my mind just kind of opened up a little bit to just how corrupt that country is and, um, our sense of our real sense of purpose. You know what I mean? Like, um, it, yeah, it took a, 
took a wild fucking turn on that second tour. Um, so yeah. because of your cynicism, because suddenly you were disillusioned with it more or was, were things happening as well where just the, um, the kinetic activity, the violence and all that stuff, did you see more of that on the second deployment? And that kind of hit you well, harder. It, it was it like, I never got complacent and luckily like my, the second tour I was on, like the guys that I was with, there's a couple, there's quite a few of them. It was their first tour. Maybe another dude went to Afghanistan and one to Iraq, but, um, you know, they, they went through some train, uh, training evolutions, like, you know, how to, how to train the Afghan, um, people. And that's like, that was our goal or, you know, our job kind of, um, when we got there and when we ripped with the team, um, before us, like, they said like yeah it's been fucking nothing like crazy going on you know mm -hmm. um yeah it, like like it's not like wild west you know what i mean like we're going yeah. over here we're gonna do this shit you know these guys are kind of lazy and you gotta like really push them to do some stuff so um but it, it was it was just bizarre because you had this really odd weird feeling just of like not being safe you know what i mean but it's like yeah. it's it's obvious. It's like, no shit. You know, <laughs> we're fucking, right. we're like, we could be sitting on an, on an IED right now. And all these guys want to go fucking blow themselves up and sacrifice, right. uh, you know, them for us. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that second tour, there was a lot of, in the month of August, you started hearing about green on blue attacks. And, um, unfortunately m my team was involved in like a, a really significant big one, August 10th, 2012, where seven of us on, on a 12 man team were, um, you know, there's the AMP, the ANA team, right. And then our team, like I said, um, but seven of us guys, you know, in the middle of the night, um, after everything was done and we have, we have our guys, you know, in, in all corners and on posts and stuff like that. Um, and Sarwa John, the chief of police ordered one of his assistants, um, gave him, gave him his AK and said like, Hey, go take out as many Marines as you can tonight because they found out that we were going to be leaving. Like we just got word that we're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. We only have like two weeks left and we're going to go to camp Dwyer and hang out for a little bit. So, um, that night the guy came in, we were, we were working out and, um, it's just vulnerable point and shot and killed three of my friends and, and Cody staff Sergeant Cody Rohde was shot five times. Um, Three of us made it, made it out and back to the, 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 the DCOP headquarters. Um, and, but we had to scatter and not to get too much into it, but I don't know how the fuck I'm alive. Um, ran into a, a giant chain link fence that was sheltering a, um, I want to say like a, their generator and, and then like mm -hmm. where they kept all the water. It was like a huge yeah. tank of water. And I had to scale this fucking flimsy ass fence and pretty much jump off. Um, and I'll, I don't know. I, 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 uh, just went kind of just went in the fucking freaked out mode, beast mode, got back to the D cop, got my shit, my med shit made it downstairs. And then it was just, you know, triage from there. Um, training kicked in, um, got an, another corpsman from next door, you know, got over, or he was, he was helping us stand post that night or something. Um, 
but uh but yeah it was just a wild fucking shit show and then by the end of the night it we were in aircon red you know so no one was flying that night it was kind of strategically planned i feel like but thank god there was some some guys um i don't think they were out of bastion that was a brit base i i i want to say maybe dwyer because they were demobbing that mm-hmm. i don't recall where they came from but a couple couple dudes fucking flew over to where we were at and picked picked up picked up the guys um we couldn't we couldn't fit them all in there um richie richie died in my arms scott dickinson was already dead um buckley was deceased um but um scott was still alive i mean uh, corporal roadie was still alive cody roadie so we um got them all on there and um we had to put my buddy buckley who was going to be like he was going to be the best man at my wedding. Um, he's a good friend of mine. Um, we had, we had to walk him into a walk-in freezer cause we didn't know how long it was going to be until we got him out of there. So, um, you know, it, it was, a, and then, it, and then after that is just a fucking, I swear like that, even that night was horrible, but then it's just like NCIS investigations fucking, you know, like coming at me for all kinds of stuff. Um, the leaky really? witness. Yeah. And so after August 10th, 2012, like we got processed out, I went straight to Naval hospital Balboa. Um, cause I like right, right when I landed stateside, we got, we got home on Thanksgiving. Um, or no, no, sorry, not Thanksgiving. That was the time before. Um, we got home and, um, my now wife, Michelle, she came out and met me in Hawaii and we, um, spent some time together. I said, fuck everything. And I just flew home with her. <laughs> I didn't tell like my chain of command yeah. that I was home because yeah. I mean, no one had accountability of, of, of shit, you know? Right. And, um, all of my shit was left over there too. A lot of it. Um, so anyways, I got, I, I got back to Hawaii. I checked in. They're like, where the fuck have you been? Like, did you go AWOL? I'm like, no, I just went on leave just like all the other Marines did. And, um, anyways, it was really fast that I was prescribed medication. Um, I was on like four different medications just because like I was fucking pissed and what, I don't know, but I mean, I take guilt of it. Um, and it just, it, it wasn't working out. And, after just a few weeks of being on the island, I was sent to Naval Hospital Balboa because that's where Cody Rohde, the guy who was shot, or, or staff sergeant, that's where he was mm-hmm. going to be doing his rehabilitation. So the senior chief, you know, where I was at was like, hey, we're going to send Oliver to Balboa, like blue side. He's he's yeah. done over here. It, against, uh, you know, it's kind of just like I didn't have a say in it, but um, got out or got to Naval hospital Balboa. I was there for seven months until I was, I was medically retired or whatever, uh, after that. But, um, again, quick, quick to the medications. And then from the day I got out at least two years after I had NCIS at my house, at least, or at my work, uh, at least once every six months, um, to build this investigation, I guess you could say that they were going to, try to try because the, the the shooter um he he didn't they didn't fucking kill him they the ana captured him and then they yeah. wanted to get him on trial um and then yeah. 
try to prosecute him. We wanted to get him on U.S. soil to prosecute him as a as a terrorist. It would be the sure. first time in OEF, first time in OEF OAF history where we capture a terrorist on their soil and and prosecute him over here to send him to Gitmo or something like that. So yeah. I'm like I'm like motivated to like maybe the justice justice system will work. Afghans corrupt as fuck. I have three family three families of of my Marines that are devastated right now. They need some sort of justice or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um and so I was just kind of put in this weird spot. And um ultimately what had happened was they they did the they did the trial overseas. I did I did my stuff through VTC video teleconference. Um they NCS got my information a couple times. Address, you know, height, yeah. weight, eye color, everything about me social. Yeah. And they they send it over to the Afghans to the to the court system. A couple months later they they come back to me saying, "Hey, your paperwork got water damage. So we need another statement." And my wife was there too and she's like, "That's fucking weird. Isn't thing aren't things on computers right now? Like what what the fuck?" So, um I was just weirded out, um, you know, and, and like, and gassed out, you know, I've, yeah, right. I've been trying to comply with this, this shit forever. Yeah. Well, I guess they went on with the investigation. They did a bone scan of this guy and they tried him as a minor. And I'm pretty sure they said that he was going to get like seven years, but I'm like a hundred percent sure that the guy just walked, you know, he, they let him obviously now. Right. But, right, right, right. Uh, sure. but they let him out at the time. It was like, what the fuck, how the fuck could this happen? Cause I, I deed him and you know, I don't know. And he Maybe was a, a minor. He, he was a young no, kid. No, no. What, what they, and it was really weird because, you know, and at, at the moment in 2012, like to 13 and 14, like this was really aggressive. It was on Fox. It was all over the, the Buckley family. You know, they were, they were pressing hard to on the Marine Corps to like answer some fucking questions. There was no biopsies or anything like what exactly killed them. And uh, anyways, I mean, j they just never, it, they just, their an the questions that were never got answered. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was difficult for me, but, um, I was just aggressive because they're saying that it was Sarwa John's, um, chai boy, like a T boy. Uh, yeah. But when I think mm -hmm. of, when I think of T boys, I think of like little, the little fuck, the little, like four to eight year old kids with makeup that would come serve us food when we'd have like a Shira or something, when we're breaking bread with guys, you know, those are the T boys. This guy's assistant, even it was his like sexual assistant too, but yeah, he was, okay. he was, he was older. He, he was, he had to have been at least 20 mid twenties, you know, yeah. even if he was fucking 18 or 19, um, still. Um, so it was just a shit show that I, you, that do you, I was you ever get clarity? Of. Sorry. Did you ever get clarity as to why the D cop ordered that or what? I mean, obviously you guys were leaving. So tactically it made sense for him to order that then, but what was his motivation? Was it just money? Did he get paid to do it? Well, so here's the fucking crazy thing. Okay. This is like, this is learning later and this yeah. is why the shit blew up really big. So like I said, we ripped with, with a team before us. Um, they said like, nothing's nothing too crazy. Right. Well, um, maybe a, like a few years prior to us being there, um, there was another embedded training team and they had a, um, their senior guy, their officer was this guy, Jason Bresler. Uh, Major Jason Bresler and Bresler had fired Sarwa John and got him kicked out of the district that they were working in because Sarwa John was selling or was giving the Taliban uniforms of the Afghan police. 
and I don't know, and maybe ANA. So they they fired him, and he had already been fired prior to that too. So he'd been fired fucking twice as the oh, district chief police. Bresler found out, fucking randomly, I guess I don't know, but found out that Sarwa John was back and he was running the decop for Helmand Province, and um, and Bresler knew this guy was dangerous. So what Jason did because our chain of command is so fucking slow sometimes. Right. And the way that they process things, um, he just got on and sent a Gmail, I think, um, with classified information to like another officer who who he trusted, I think, or was trying to get it to that officer. And the officer's liaison was like, excuse me, this is classified information. Like you're not supposed to send this this way and halted this whole fucking communication to our team about this guy. And then, started prosecuting and and getting jason bresler in trouble meanwhile that fucking attack happens you know like a week later and all this shit yeah so jason was trying to prevent it so jason gets kicked out of the marine corps um you know stripped of all the shit and um for 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 sending classified information but he was trying to save our lives you know save lives yeah yeah so i'm i you you'll have to or whoever listens to this will have to check up on Jason Brezer. I think he they went to sue the Marine Corps and he won and got all of his shit back. But um, but it was fucking crazy, you know. So wow. so yeah, to answer to answer your question, to get clarity on um, I, I forgot which part it was. But, no, but I mean, but on on why the decop did what he did. I mean, oh that, yeah, so kind of it, it, motive. Yeah, it, it could have been you know that like he was pressured from the higher up in the Taliban chain. You know that like, hey, you've been you have you've been pretty inactive. You know, like we haven't got our fucking whatever. Right. But I mean, right. th- this 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 chief of police headquarters had academies coming in. They had academies like right there with just you know hundreds of fucking Afghans coming in getting a uniform, learning how to shoot, doing all this stuff. And then just, you know, so I was like, man, a lot of guys, I know, you know, a shit ton of Taliban slipped in, into that, you know, but look at where we are now, you know? So, yeah. So, I mean, there's dude, first off, thanks for sharing that, man. I know that's not easy. I didn't, I, I, I don't like to walk people through war stories if, if, you know, um, unless they want to talk about it. But I mean, I think for a lot of reasons, that's an important story. Um, not least of all because of the political implications and and what it shows about how our bureaucracy sometimes hamstrings us. Um, but that's a yeah that that's a that's a no shit situation. If you're comfortable with it, I, I'm sorry, but just I think people will probably be asking just the mechanics of that actual incident. So you're working out and you're not on base. You're working out at your own. Was it a compound? Was it an apartment? What, where were you? Yeah, were it's it's like more? a it's like a nice, solid two story, you know, compound yeah. or you know just like like cement building, you know, with uh, with two staircases that can take you upstairs, and um, we had our COC upstairs. You know, they had um, all their shit downstairs, and they'd have one guy listening to. Um, you know, their radio, like, like next to ours, you know, right, but, right. um, so it was just this, this, you know, square building. And then around that was like a perfectly fucking square with rock and everything and our vehicles and the, Af- the Afghan vehicles. 
and then we had four towers in each corner. Yeah. Um, you know, like that we shared posts with them. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we had our own guys at the front gate, you know, that would search people coming in and going out. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. And, and, uh, and then there was just this little like kind of break in the HESCO where it was this little labyrinth type thing that took you through the ANA compound. Um, that was more like, almost looked like a, like a old type of like school, you know, like, like school building classrooms, you know, that they all okay. slept in and shit. And then yeah. once you get past, once you get past that was the, uh, like the v- VCP, the vehicle checkpoint that got you into fob Delhi. So we weren't like right yeah. next door. Like it was a fucking, you know, we had to, we had to do a couple litter carries with the guys through this crazy fucking black, like I remember running the guys through the ANA compound thinking like, fuck, 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 we're fucking dead. You know, like, God damn yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, and Cody Rody, I, I, I think I gave him like 20 milligram or just two auto injectors of morphine. Cause that shit doesn't fucking do anything. You know what I mean? Like you got to yeah. fet, fentanyl, fentanyl is the best, but I just had fucking morphine and the other guy had some morphine, but so, so Rody's fucking singing, you know, while we're carrying him um, through the place. But, Anyways, it was, it was, it was fucked up. So the guy came into our, like I explained, you wanted to cut me to walk it through, which I'm well, totally, I mean, if you, if you I'm want totally, to, man, I was, I, no, I'm, I'm totally, uh, I'm totally, I haven't talked about this in a while, but it's, it's something that's important to, to know, but, yeah. um, underneath one of the towers that was in the corner. So this whole place is a cement walls around us right. and, um, probably like 12 feet high, but underneath one of the corners is where we had the gym. That's where, when we ripped with the team before us, that's where they had their gym. Um, like I, I, I was kind of good at making the, you know, benches and stuff out of wood. We ended up making some better stuff underneath there. Um, you know, um, like shit that I learned from my last deployment. So we made this nice little gym and obviously it's hot as fuck every day. So we, we don't work out until like late at night. And, um, we just found out we were going home like real soon. So like some of the guys that, you know, the, the, the staff NCOs and shit were like, Hey, you know, like doc and hey guys, you young guys, like get us in there. Let's let get me in shape. You know, I got to get a six pack in fucking two weeks before I get home. Like, you know, so it wasn't like we were fucking, we, we had a, we built this like system where we were working out every day, you know, like we, right. we had a, uh, our patrols were really random. You know, we, you, you don't like, you don't give them the, you know, right. the guys that we were working with, like, all right, we're going to go on a patrol tomorrow at 11 o'clock. You know, it's kind of right. just like load your shit. Let's go. Yeah. You're breaking um, all the patterns, not giving them any yeah, time. to plan. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, you know, but just the, the random shit. So we, we had our, you know, obviously had our guns, had a gun rack and all that stuff. But, um, this guy came in pretty much through where it was right next to where our, our, all of our trucks were staged. And he just kind of just walked up like, like no one's fucking business. Cause sometimes these dudes would come and watch you work out. And I'm sure there's tons of Marines and soldiers and sailors and civilians or people that have been in Afghanistan and they remember their first time working out with Afghans. It's fucking awkward, you know? Um, but he, he came in real fast and I had my headphones in, I was jumping rope and, um, you know, the typical like firecrackers, you know what I mean? It's just like an AK going off. Um, and, 
but this is a very small fucking area, you know? And, um, pretty much it was, it was fenced off until that, um, wait, what do you say? The cement wall, the, the chain link fence met the cement wall and some fucking, I don't know how that we all just kind of ended up right in this little break in the fence. And Cody was behind us. I remember screaming, but we were fucking like, like fucking rats, man. Just jumping through this, uh, this fence, you know, like trying to get out me and Daniel Burnap and Rogers and a couple of the, I mean, I know Richie made it kind of far. Cause I found him like halfway to the compound when, when I, when I came back down, but, um, yeah, so this guy's spraying us and it's like, Oh fuck, you know, real quick, get, getting the fuck out of there. And in, in like a half a second. And you couldn't bring your weapons, right? I mean, no, weapons I mean, away from you, yeah, so. it would have, it would have, it would have like, yeah, it it where I was, uh, where everyone was, it was like, you, yeah, I was fishing a barrel type situations, yeah. which is the only way they get us, anyways, right? IEDs and it was this is the only way they get us. So, um, yeah, I, I ran, I I ran, and it was dark, but I ran right into a chain link fence, and the shooter's still shooting behind me, like right there, and I had to, I climbed this fucking fence, and it it's flimsy because there's no support in between the, uh, you know, in in, right. in this big break and it's fallen fucking back on me. So, and I'm, I was just, I'd just been working out for a while till I was fucking exhausted. I remember that. And, um, climbing up this fence, scaling on me. And then when I got to the top, it was in, it, it was pretty fucking high. It was, it was just as high as a cement wall. Um, I just fucking fall off the top, you know? And, um, I mean, I don't, I don't like to say that I had a, that I, that I got knocked unconscious or anything like that. Um, I mean, I, I, cause I got back to that fucking, that shit and started, you know, got my stuff and started working on my guys real fast. But, um, but yeah, I just wasn't in, um, I wasn't in like, it wasn't like someone got, sh- someone got shot. Like, here's your shit. Go do your stuff. You know, it was, right. it was a fucked right. up, fucked it's up. A shit night. Show. Yeah. 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 It was a, sh- a definite shit show. So, um, yeah. And then, pretty much what had happened was, you know, there was the guys upstairs and obviously the dudes are on post, you know, um, Rogers got on the radio real quick and called the deli and, and, you know, and he, he was a RO. So it was fucking awesome. He got on that shit. I went and got my medical stuff. Burnout was in his silkies and, and fucking, you know, and like toe shoes or some shit, Right. but right. grabs his helmet, grabs his helmet and flack. And, um, and then I remember him and Captain Harrington stacking up and going downstairs and I was right behind him with my med bag and we go out and the first, and I was like, there's one shooter, just be careful. But the first patient I got to was, um, well, actually no, Cody Rohde made it to the head court, to the, to the building and he's like, don't fucking shoot me. And he comes upstairs. I put a tourniquet on Cody Rohde real quick and the other corpsman who was on post comes in. And just like a lot of corpsmen do, we train our Marines, everything that we fucking know. Right. And Cody, Cody didn't have like, he had a gunshot in his leg and then his arm was fucked up, but no like crazy arterial bleeding that I noticed. So mm-hmm. I put it on, I put one on his leg and I passed him over to the Marines that I had. And then I went downstairs to grab the rest of the guys. Um, Richie Rivera was the second one, second, second, uh, guy that i that i came up on and um and were you hearing rounds still popping off or had that stopped now no no it they just they just stopped and um 
the the tower that was above our um, gym, you could say, the mm-hmm. shooter ran up there, and the from what we were told, the AMP that were up there, he was like, "Hey man, I just did jihad. You want to do jihad with me?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." And then like, he's like, "I need another round or something like that." And then they fucking tackled him or something like that. That's what they said. Brought him downstairs. I know one of my buddies, Jose, broke his wrist on this guy's face. Um, you know, we they they were tuning, they were trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Meanwhile, all these Afghan police, it's like Walking Dead now. All these yeah. people have guns yeah. and they're fucking in right. their pajamas trying to figure out what's going on. I'm like, fuck, I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm working on Richie. Um we get Richie on a litter and we're we're carrying Cody and Richie. Um, unfortunately, like I, I got eyes on Buckley and, and, uh, and Scott Dickinson, you know, I'm just in training mode though. And, yeah, uh, got yeah. there and, uh, Richie was still alive, but he, he died in my arms. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and, and then, you know, from there it was kind of like, it was like making sure that no one else had any fucking injuries. Checked myself for a second. Um, got him out of there. Um, got Buckley, you know, into, into a, a good spot, waited. They sent an Osprey for Buckley. So that was nice. That was um, nice. cause things kind of cooled down at this point, but then it was strict straight to fucking statements, you know, yeah. write down what you got. The fucking team came the next day. And now I'm a part of this whole investigation that lasted fucking three years, you know, like two and a half, at least three years after I got out. So, um, and- so yeah. So, I mean, dude, there's so much to unpack with that. Um, and, and thanks for sharing that. That's, um, I mean, that's not just an incredibly personal story, but I think that's an incredibly important story for people to understand, um, about Afghanistan, about the dynamic in that country, especially at that time. Um, let me start with this. Were you done in your mind and did you know you were done the second you got back and you're like, were you like, I- I'm out of the military. I'm I'm ready to leave now. Or was there still a part of you that was like, well, this is fucked up, but I'm going to see this through and let's see what the next step brings. Um, you know, it was, it, it's funny because when I went on leave before the second deployment, that's where me and my now wife, we, we just had our nine year anniversary, but that's we met like my first day on leave. And then, um, yeah. Wow. And then, and, and I was home for 16 days. We, we knew each other prior, but you know, we, we wrote like, it was literally like, you know, we, we wrote a lot of letters to each other and then, you know, while I was gone. Um, and then, so, you know, there's, you go through all this training and you, you, you learn how to fucking, you know, shoot all these fucking amazing, you know, weapons and you learn how to do things, you know, tactically. And, um, it seems like everything that I'm hearing about guys getting fucked up over there wasn't from them knowing how to do their job really well. It's just from these fucked up type of situations, you know? And, um, and, once I kind of quickly learned about the Bresler situation, Major Bresler, and just how quick, I mean, 
I was prescribed medication. Like even like they wanted like all this other shit. Uh, I could have just been like a responsible adult and be like, I think I'm okay. But right, it just seemed right. like the thing to do, right? Just to yeah. kind of numb myself. And, um, but you know, after talking with my wife, Michelle and, um, cause man, I really wanted to fucking go back after that second tour. And that's where, yeah. and I think that's why they fucking sent me to Balboa because I was like, fuck all these fucking people. Like, yeah. I'm, yeah. I don't care anymore. Like, let's go fucking burn the shit down a little bit or get, you know what I mean? Like, and uh retaliate because it wasn't just our team the green on blue attack there was some um there was a uh some brits and some other you know mm, some other yeah. guys that just got fucked up you just google green on blue attacks august of 2012 in afghanistan you'll see you'll see our article you see a bunch of stuff so um i was yeah i just knew that uh i don't know w- w- that war that we we're trying to win it's not getting fucking won like that you know what i mean yeah and, and their whole their whole their whole system was just corrupt as fuck i'm like what what are we trying to do over there you know so well, what's interesting to me is up till now when you've talked about your time as a corpsman you've been your, your attitude has been distinctive from that of the marines like last week you know we had mason Rodrigue on who's you know very marine machine gunner 0331 you know just you know kill them all like god sort them out type thing but you had a different attitude. I mean, you were kind of taken with the medicine side. You were like, hey, that looks like that's in my lane and all that. But it seems like this did flip that switch where now you you were less in touch with the caregiver part of yourself and more in touch with uh, some vengeance. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it is. And I mean, there was vengeance too, which brought me on to my second tour. There's vengeance that brought me on to my first tour. There's vengeance that brought me into signing up FMF in the first place. You know what I mean? Like I'm definitely have that, you know, like Mason was saying, you know, um, and trained with my, you know, my, my team of grunts, you know what I mean? And we, we had, we we were, we were fucking solid, like all of us, but, um, you know what I mean? When you, when you start learning, like, Oh, you're like, Oh, you're going to tell us where they might have some weapons caches because we're fixing your kid right now. Like this is fucking yeah, like, hey, right. now you know, like Doc's Doc's like a, 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 an important asset, you know, or something yep. like that. So, so it was just um, trying to take the chess game on from a different approach, you know what I mean? And and um, and I don't know. It was just, and, and then also being a corpsman, you're, you know what I mean? Like as far as like lance corporals and corporals and stuff, like, you know, when we get a when we get a drop of fucking food and shit. Um, you know, the guys are fucking unloading that stuff. And it's like, if I just got back from a three hour long patrol, cause I'm patrolling three times a day. And these other guys are three on three off yeah. and they're on post. Like no one fucks with me. You know what I mean? So yeah. I had a different relationship with the, you know, the junior enlisted and the senior enlisted and just, I don't know. So I guess to answer your question, like I still had that fucking vengeance though. You know what I mean? And like, that stemmed back from when I was a young kid and nine eleven and and um and just hearing about all the stuff that had been happening um up until that point. So really so that had been a big concern for that that was a, a major through line for you that you felt like, yeah, that I there is something you know, there is a very militant reason for me to be joining the military in the first place. Yeah. I mean yeah. like to 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 round it full back to you know to back to ground zero, something that I that I 
you know, I'd heavily thought about, I wanted to try some other things out. Like I was, like I said, rebellious and I, I wanted to do that, but like, I was quick to learn that like, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, you know, give this a shot. Um, it's a part of my bloodline. Um, you know, I mean, let's be honest though. Like a lot of percent of the reason why young men and women join, I mean, is because it's like their way out of their town or their, yeah. you know what I mean? It's their way to like, actually, that's literally what is giving them like a life, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's what it was given to me too. But I mean, there's, you, you could have done a lot of, there's a lot of different jobs in the military. You know what I mean? And how and, much did you want to be tested though? Did you feel like some of that was because you were, and this, I'm using your words, but you're like, you know, I was a young punk. I was a little rebellious and all that. Was there a part of you that just wanted to be tested? Um, like, like, so like, I want to be tested so I should join the military. Yeah. Or, or yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. It's like maybe, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, there, to be completely honest with you, I mean, I know me personally it, growing up, I couldn't fucking complete a task like for the life of me. And I knew that like, the service will fucking break that shit, you know, real fast. So that yeah. was a part of it too. You know, I couldn't, um, sorry, my light, this light's going out. Um, yeah. So I, I knew it was going to, going to kind of help me be a better person. Um, but also in the same token, you know, the people that raised me, um, you know, gave me that too, my mom and dad. And, you know what I mean? So, sure. Sure. um, so I don't, I don't really, I don't really give the military too much. Like I am the way that I am today and the person I am because of the, because of the life lessons I learned growing up and the, how, how I was raised. Yeah. yeah. Um, the military stuff, like it doesn't define who I am, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it but it, it's definitely a big chapter in my life, you know, that I, that I owe, I owe a lot to, but also like, I don't know, it's, you know, it's fucked me up in, in well, more, yeah. more different ways and. I mean, talk about that for a second. So, I mean, obviously, I, I, I totally can appreciate that where it's like, look, I'm my own person. I was raised right. It gave me the foundation. Um, but your your military experiences were pretty unique. Uh, you know, there's this pretty unique set of experiences. And separating just those from like the military institution, from like boot camp and you know, the way the military tries to transform you, those experiences, you're not going to go through that stuff and be the same person on the other side. No. Did you feel like you, well, and this is, this is kind of a weird question, but I'll throw it out there. At what point, at what point did you feel that you were no longer a young punk or no longer the, the, the kid you had been? When did you feel like you had become a man? Was it, was it totally independent of the military or did those experiences leave you with God, was that kind of the gear shift that kind of put you in a darker place, but also a more sober place? I don't know. I mean, like when people, I mean, my perception of, of like being a man is it like all of them are different. You know, you could tell someone like, or like, Hey, Hey, be a man. And, and that might mean right. to them, like, beat your wife and say like, you know, like right. make my dinner, you know? So, right. Right. um, you know, I, 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 I'd obviously knew that, um, you know, that I wanted to have a family and, and like, like, you know, like, and enjoy life. Um, but I, I guess the two parts to the question is when I felt like more like 
responsible and mature was that yeah when when I, you shucked when you shucked that old image you know where you I said think you it was, to, I think it was I think it was I think it was like after I joined and I was on my own and you know and you're okay. and you're making money and you're like you're like hey man like cool like I've I've got a career now like yeah. this is weird yeah you know yeah and then you and then you 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 know take take out the deployments and stuff but just learning that 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 responsibility. I remember taking some of my guys into before the second tour, just taking them in to get a power of attorney and then like make them sign up for life insurance. I'm like, just put your fucking mom's name. You know what I mean? Like just stuff like that. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. That's, that's when i kind of felt like I was like, yeah, okay. Like this is, this is good for me. I'm, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to hang out here for a while. But after that attack and just kind of learning about some of the stuff that was going on, I kind of got this new like idea that, you know, life is too short and, um, you know, you got to make the best of it. So, um, maybe that's why I'm at this hospital and they're, they're, the Navy's processing me out. Like, I don't know if it's to keep me quiet because of this NCIS investigation uh, or is, yeah. or is it, or are they just, or are they just, um, is this a part of the fucking thing? Cause like, I don't, I wasn't fucking shot. How am I? getting yeah. full retirement and all stuff. But, wow. um, but they took care of me, they took care of me. And, yeah. um, so there's just a lot of different questions, but in Did, the end, I think yeah. I have a, I uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. No, no. Finish your thought. I, I, I think that, you know, th this is one thing is we talked about, you know, everyone has their own experiences going into the service, right? Like, and maybe we didn't have a family or maybe we're from a small town or a big town or whatever. It's like, it's, that's the coolest part about being in the core and in, in the, in the service is like, everyone's got their own stories. Right. But we get together and we become fucking family. Yeah. Um, I kind of just, I don't know. I, I had this idea already in my head. I knew what was going on overseas. I knew that like, Hey, I'm, I'm going FMF. Like people are going to get fucking hurt. People are going to die. I might die. I understand what's going on. I understand that. I'm comfortable with this. So when I was overseas and, or, you know, when something happened, I almost like had to, you know, talk to myself like, dude, you knew this was going to fucking happen. So like, don't say that like this wasn't mm -hmm. supposed to fucking, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. I kind of tried to have this understanding about it, even though it was the most fucked up situation is it wasn't like contact left. All right, let's fucking go. Blah, 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 right. blah, blah. And then, Hey, fucking Corman up so-and-so's down and you're doing your job because there's a firefight and then we fucked them all up but they got one of our guys this was just a, this was a insider attack that was strategic and planned and just so fucked up um that it it took me a while to just be like you you expected this because i was like no i didn't i didn't expect this and then you're dealing with survivor's guilt because you're fucking alive and these kids that are 19 and 20 years old aren't or 21 and 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 then another you know an older guy and 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 cody ready was is severely fucked up um somehow you made it out and then you got corman guilt because you couldn't keep your friends alive when you know that's your fucking job um and then you, it just kind of compiles up on you and if you got a clear head and you you know how to you know, like sort through that shit. And it's like, that's good. But, um, you know, I like to try to say that I had that, but you throw substance abuse in there and you're, you're going to, you're, yeah, you're going to fucking get there. You know, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to yeah. have some severe fucking problems. And I mean, that's, 
you know, that's a, that was a road that I took for a little bit was, I mean, you fucking, you, 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 you don't believe in ghosts and shit or whatever. Like I, you know, cause I don't, but then you get fucked up. You're like, Holy shit. Like I fucking hallucinated last night, you know? Yeah. 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 So let me, I, I, there's so many different ways to go with this, but I think, I think, let me, let me settle on this. How would you define yourself after you got out versus beforehand? If you had to look, uh, what's the residual takeaway? How are you different uh, as a person? How had you changed? What was your major takeaway uh, if you had to define yourself before you got in and after you were out? Man, um, I feel lucky to... The obvious would someone would be like, oh, lucky to be alive? No. I feel lucky to have had this experience and um, because I know a lot of guys don't get this kind of experience, you know? They either have mm-hmm. shitty leadership that, that fucking, that's why they get out in four years or they get, you know, they get fucked up overseas or shit. I don't know. It's like I went, I don't like group therapy, but I had to go through a couple of them until I realized I didn't like it. But like people got you know, mess like, you know, girls or got even guys get, you know, sexually harassed or molested in the service. So like right. everyone's got their fucking stories. I feel like, I feel like I'm a little lucky to have met the people that I've met, you know, all my, all, all the guys that I met when I was in and, um, and it taught me a lot about life in general that I can maybe try to teach my kids. They might not fucking understand it because like, right. I'm, I just, they, they will never hopefully ever have to go through this kind of shit that I had to go through. So, but sometimes you got maybe the electric fence for yourself. Like, right. Yeah. Sometimes there's no way of understanding stuff until you start to go through a little bit of it. We can't. Yeah. You know, and we, we, and, um, two things that I firmly believe in is like, you can't take care of other people until you take care of yourself. Um, I took care of myself and then like, you know, we, 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 we have a family and that, but I mean, there's times where I had to, like, I'm, I'm off work right now, you know, I take, take some time off to fucking focus on your, on yourself. Because if you can't, if you can't get your shit straight, then there's no way in hell you're going to be able to take care of other people. Yeah. And then also something that was instilled in me from a young age is that life's too short to be negative. You got to focus on the positive, you know, you got to find the beauty out of the most fucked up thing that has ever happened to you. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, I, I try to say that I'm lucky that that I, that I had this kind of experience. Um, cause I could easily say this is so fucking unfair and unlucky right. Right. and like, fuck the VA, fuck all the DOD. And like, you guys, right. I don't know, but yeah, I just, I try to just, um, I pushed, I pushed the military away as soon as I got out, as soon as I walked out the gate and me and my wife drove from San Diego back to the central coast, I didn't join any veteran organizations I didn't want to be a part of anything. I didn't, I didn't really call any of my buddies. Um, it wasn't until one of the, one of the most badass Marines that I knew, uh, uh, Schaefer, uh, Vincent Schaefer took his life, shot himself. And then uh, he was an 81 mortarman, um, who was a close friend of mine. I got a fist fight with him and then we became best friends. Um, Tony Wynn took his life. Kyle Clunder took his life. Those are guys on cat 
two with me. And then next thing you know, suicide. It's all yeah. fucking all over the place. And yeah. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Why? I was kind of pissed. Like how this guy's got a beautiful wife and kids and he just checked out like both of these guys, like how the fuck is that fucking possible? And I started to like, really like try to focus in on that and wrap my head around it. Um, still to this day, trying to fucking understand it. I've been through that before, but I understood where it was coming from. And I tried to correct that, you know, um, like prescription medications. Um, it just, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I was tried it easy to, to shake for you. Because they no, prescribe stuff no. to you, yeah. No, no. I mean, it, it's it's like my wife's a hard-headed woman. And I remember one one night, like she was talking to me on the phone, but she's like, like you you don't want to be a zombie your whole life, and you know, like, and because I was, and I'm like, you're fucking right. And you had the wing off of stuff, got back on it. You know, there there's you you find out what's right for you, if if anything, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Like some guys just need to smoke a fucking joint. Some guys can't because they got a job that drug tests, you know? Um, some guys just need to have diazepam or uh, benzodiazepine, you know, just as needed for panic attacks. Some guys need to take fucking medication all day. But there's a point where I was taking something for the whole day, something to help me go to sleep, like mini, mini press to help me keep the dreams away, trazodone to help me go to sleep, and then a bezo, you know, a diazepam or Valium for whenever I gotta fucking take my kids to Disneyland or some shit, and I'm gonna be in like, you know, in this fucking whatever. So it took me a while, you know what I mean? Um, but you just sometimes time is against us, and sometimes these guys don't have that, or they get on something, and then maybe they don't have good internet connection, and they can't fucking get on my healthy vet and upload and refill their prescriptions fast enough. And then when they do, it takes two weeks to get to them and maybe they're having trouble in that, that time. I have no fucking idea, but, um, it was at that point where my buddy started taking their lives where I'm like, fuck man, like what's going on. And so then, for, um, for yeah. you though, it's really been about your buddies. Uh, and I think that's the healthiest way to go about it as opposed to veterans kind of writ large. Just you're, you're not, you're not like going, Hey, I'm, I'm just interested in anything related to veterans. You're interested in your buddies and you're interested in what the hell's going on with them. And what's this epidemic of suicide. And that kind of gets you thinking about the community at large, but it's kind of coming from a very personal place as opposed to just thinking about, Hey, I'm a veteran. Yeah, sure. What do you guys got for me? Let, let me get into this big, much larger community. Yeah. Right? You'd, you'd see guys doing like 22 pushups on their Facebooks and shit. And I'm like, I'm like, I, where's the statistic coming from? And then in a matter of four years, six of them take their lives that were like guys that you slept in the same tent and stuff like that, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's like, holy shit. Like when it, you know, it's just like someone to be texting on their phone and they're not like, Oh, don't text and drive until they get in a fucking car accident. When it hits you, you know, it just slapped me in the face. And, um, you know, and so I kind of just started reaching out to my friends and, 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 you know, and having them over, but, but yeah, you don't like, I'm also kind of sheltered. Like I said, I pushed the the stuff away for a while mm -hmm. and, um, I just kept kind of kept my, my, my close circle of, of, of friends in the service. Yeah. And, um, when, yeah, when, um, when, when that started happening, it's, you know, I, I started reaching out again, but 
when I tried to go into different veteran organizations and stuff, there was a, I just kind of realized there was some like stolen valor and a lot of guys who just like, they got out on their own, but they like probably should have stayed in. You know what I mean? Like, and it, and it's, and yeah, it's like, um, and I, and they got out. On I their just own don't fit in. Like, I don't know. Like they, it's just, and it's cool. With, like, I want, I want everyone to have their thing, like to, to keep them all right. And you know, if the military was the best thing they had for them and then like getting into a good organization or something, you know, like right. a local veteran thing. But, um, but sometimes it's not always good for those people. You know what I mean? Like if it's a veteran organization where everyone's getting fucked up all the time yeah. and then like, yep. you know, and then they're, and then, and, and, and then it's like, oh yeah, like so-and-so got fucked up. We're going to go get him. And, and it's like, man, um, I don't, I mean, I can barely keep my fucking head afloat, so yeah. I don't need to be a part of this organization, you know? And, or like people yeah. that they spin off, they, they just, they preach, they preach their fucking, their stuff. This has taken me years to be able to talk about. Yeah. I mean, or, 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 or sing about, we'll get to that music. In a, in a no, song, no, we'll guess, get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. So, so for someone to be so quickly open to a fucking stranger, I'm just like, man, I don't think no, it's no offense to you. I just don't think <laughs> like we're going to be friends, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So, so, well, listen, I mean, my friend, uh, Chris Otero uh, says he thinks, uh, vets should join a uh, volunteer fire departments instead of the VFW. Cause he's like, all you're gonna do with the VFW is drink. But if you're part of a volunteer yeah. fire department, you're doing something. There's actually a camaraderie based on accomplishment and mission uh, as opposed to it. And I, I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. And I, I, it's funny. I know for me, um, I had some people that I was the only vet they knew. So, um, and some of them were affiliated with different programs and they tried to push me to join uh, because they were like, well, this is, you know, supposed to be for you, but yeah, there's something where, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's a part of me that kind of relates to the antisocial part of being a vet, at least initially. And, um, and it, I, but I, I agree. I think the thing that's, that's made me get over that hump has been the harm service members are doing to themselves. And, uh, and also to be perfectly selfish about it, I've had a hard time talking with people that aren't veterans. That's been hard to make that connection. And I'm sure that will filter out over time. But I was like, God, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'd, there's no common operating picture with other people. So it's kind of, it, it takes a minute to kind of get over that. Uh, at least it does for it did for me. Um, but was that part of your experience as well? Or did you find, no, I, I can fill, fit right back into civilian life and make friends. And I, I don't need a military. I don't need to be around other veterans to be understood as much. No, I'm, I mean, um, it's, it's right there with you. You know, at first I was like, I'm not going to go to fucking IHOP to get free pancakes on Veterans Day, you know, like right. Veterans right. Day is every fucking day type situation, yeah. you know, or, or yeah. whatever. But then it's like, well, maybe there's, maybe there's the guys who don't have any, I, I try to like fuck with my mind, you know, like maybe the guys who are at the VFW or, or who are doing that, maybe they're like searching for someone, you know, or like, like brothers or whatever, you know what I mean? But like, um, it's just hard to, um, I don't know. It, Everybody's it was, on their was, own journey. That's right. Yeah. 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 It's tough. It, it was, it, it's tough, but, but, um, 
but I don't know. I, uh, I, what was your question again? It was, <laughs> well, no, I mean, yeah. that, that kind of answered. I mean, you know, cause I think uh, it was basically that it was, it was basically if you'd also had that experience where you just can't fit in with civilians as easily. And so you grab. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I, all, all of my, all of my, but I mean, I have, I was, I had a lot of friends in high school. Um, and, uh, and, and then, and through college and then even in the service, but I'm like a homebody now. I, everyone, mm. everyone in town kind of knows that I, I don't, don't really get out much. I mean, I, I like to hang out with my family and stuff, but right. I think it's just everyone's situation is different. And I don't like, I don't want to come off as like this cocky, stubborn veteran, you know, who's like too good for everyone. It's just like, I, I know, like I said, you got to fix on, you got to fix yourself first before you can start yeah. going out there and stuff like that. And, and everybody's um, knowledge is different. I mean, everybody's experience yeah. in the military was different and, and people respond to it in different ways, even if they had this very similar experiences. So yeah, no, I, I think that's right. Everybody kind of finds their own path through it. I'm going to ask you a, a weird question, but it's because I want to transition us to the music, but talk just for a second about what you listened to musically growing up and then how that changed or if that changed when you got out now, after all this shit that you've been through, man, I used to, I was all over the block. I, I listened to everything from hardcore music, like Zayo and under oath and this crazy fucking like real, like weird hardcore stuff. And then your, yeah. your, your radio hard stuff, like tool, you know, a perfect right. circle and shit like that. Loved it. Um, and then like, underground hip-hop you know like storytelling hip-hop stuff it was just it was that that was great um and then you know loved my old old country um not not that it's bad mainstream country i just don't prefer it um i like the like the songs that have a story versus like red versus like red solo cup and like or big green tractor like i i like the you know the the story aspect of those um so it it never really changed, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm 33 now, but like the era of like CDs, you know, where you fucking open up, you just listen to the same shit a lot. You know, I kind of, once I got, once the digital stuff came out, Pandora and I was just l- listening to the same old stuff a lot, you know? Really? Um, yeah. But I think when I, while I was transitioning, I, I'm all over the map listening to music. Um, but I, I was the way I would write and the stuff that I would write was kind of like unique to itself, I guess. It, it didn't sound like shit that I listened to, I guess. Um, and then getting out very self-conscious about what I was doing with my words and playing a guitar and then like putting a song together. Yeah. So talk um, about that process. How did you start? I mean, that that's not obviously not a really it's not a common path for people to get out and go, so I'm going to be a musician and uh, yeah. write songs and it shit. Was, so talk it wasn't, about it, Yeah. It wasn't supposed to fucking happen at all, man. It wasn't <laughs> supposed to happen at all. It was just a way for me to, you know, like therapists say like there's certain ways to communicate. Um, one of them is writing, you know, like instead of like sitting down and saying it in front of strangers or like doing something or write a letter, whatever, tried some stuff, but, um, I knew how to play a little bit of guitar. Um, and life was crazy up to this point, got out of the service. 
I got a job with the U.S. Forest Service as a wildland firefighter. I was oh, doing really? that for a couple of years. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was putting out fighting wildland fires in California and on the on the West Coast. Were you on missed a the birth of my were you a hand crew? Kind of. Yeah. It was. It was a. Uh, I was on a fire engine, like a like a wildland fire engine, a Type Three, a smaller engine, mm-hmm. for the first year, and then I was on a hell attack crew, which oh, is really? like a. Yeah. yeah, small a small hand crew. Yeah, um, that that was attached to a, um, a helicopter out of San Inez right. Airport, which is about thirty minutes uh, south of here. Gotcha. So okay. I was doing that, and then you know, missed the birth of my son. Like shit's, you know, oh, yeah. got another job um, as an armed security officer at a fucking power plant. That, I mean, I'm still employed out there, but it that's that's you know. Like your occupation can really fuck with you as a veteran, like depending on what you've done in your past. But like, yeah, it's been tough. So in, in conjunction with my own fucking personal shit, my mom got diagnosed with cancer and she ended up dying a couple years ago. She's only 57. Um, I was an only child. Um, so it's just fuck, yeah. fucking life is what was getting yeah. heavy. I didn't write music about my service stuff. It was when my mom fucking died that I, that I've, the wheels came off. Like, you know what I mean? It yeah. was, it's, it's, uh, you think you fucking made it, you, you get out and you're like, Oh, doing all right. And then something happens, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and I, I feel like that happens a lot with our guys too. Like, like maybe they get married, but like, it's not, I'm not saying like it's women, it could, it could be switched around too, but you know, like if sure. their wife wasn't, their wife didn't really understand, maybe they got married after the, their, their, their experience or mm-hmm. or maybe maybe they got married in and their life ins- or their, their insurance their their daycare their bank their grocery store everything's on base right so it's all easy yeah. and yeah. then they get out and they get to the real world and it's fucking hard it's and the guy's just like the guy's just you get in a bad fight and they're like here's fucking life insurance and they off themselves like here here's four hundred or five hundred thousand dollars because i'm worthless i don't know i've tried to wrap my head around it yeah. So I understand. I hadn't thought of that before. Yeah. Yeah. So the music thing just it was a way for me to process stuff. Started writing songs about just like like real life things. Like I just I don't I'm not an expert writer. I just stick to what I know. Sure. And like death death is a lot that I know about. And so a lot of my songs have to deal with that kind of shit. Yeah. If you've heard the record. Um and yeah, so I just, I recorded a demo album at a town nearby for like 50 bucks. And it was just for my kids to have one day. If something were to ever happen to me, it's like, well, at least, you know, like now the kids have the, like a CD of you singing, you know, like that's all it was meant to be. And it was just you and the guitar, right? And it was yep, band also. Yep. It's just like, nope, the guy just pressed record and yeah. then I would just sing and play at the same time. And then, um, and how he, I, I uploaded it to this like software. I don't know what it's called. A website called SoundCloud. Mm. And that was just how I was able to get them on a computer. And then just not to talk too much about it, but my wife and I went to, you know, Jeff Bridges, the dude, the actor, yeah, Jeff sure, Bridges. Sure. Yeah. So he was playing a acoustic show at a, a place nearby. And my wife and I were like, let's fucking go because, um, a, it's Jeff Bridges, but Dude, he had yeah. just he he had he had came out this movie a couple of years prior to that called Crazy Heart, and my mom loved that movie. 
there's a guy named Ryan Bingham who's a big I love that Ryan Bingham his music um he's on Yellowstone and all that there a couple different things now I guess but um he wrote like some of the songs for that soundtrack we knew that Jeff was going to be playing those songs so we're like let's fucking go it was right after my mom passed away while I was there I met this guy named Lloyd Bags, he has a company called LR Bags, and they make uh, pickups for like the inside of guitars, like like yeah. like a pickup that um, like you're, uh, they make this kind of shit that goes right here that so an mm. acoustic guitar can amplify, so you can gotcha. you know you can plug it in. Yep. Anyways, um, talked to him and just said like, hey, thanks for what you do because the guitar that my mom bought me. I, I got one of his pickups put in there so I could play it at her service. Um, and I just told him that story. And then like the last 20 seconds of our conversation, my wife's like, you should hear my husband's music. It's like, it's, I don't know. And, I, and then I ended up getting his number and sending him the link. And then he's like, Hey, this is real shit. I want to fly you to Nashville to do Jesus. an EP. Yeah. So I, I went to, so he came to my house. He's like, Hey, have you ever heard of stolen valor? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, well, like, I just need to make sure that like, you're really who you are. And I was like, this is the fucking best question or most simple right. question anyone can ask me. Right. <laughs> Open up my laptop. You know, he's looking around my house like, oh, fuck. Um, so yeah, flew me out there and this was like early 2019. And I recorded four, four songs with a band, a studio, studio musicians um, in a studio. Now, was this and with Pete Lyman? What was that? Was this with Pete Lyman? Is that when no, you, no, 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 no. Th this was, yeah, this Pete Lima came later, but, okay. um, yeah. So we, uh, did the EP and I was there for five days. They got some, you know, interviews. We made, made that documentary that's on YouTube. Um, uh, but did all that and then they were going to release it and help me start this. They, they, they're like, you need to tell your story, you know, like we need to get it out there. Um, me, I'm like, well, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know if I'm, we'll, we'll hang on real quick. But, so you uh, still weren't even, so you were still thinking this is just something to, for your kids. You weren't even thinking this. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I've, I was, I maybe had played a couple places locally, um, you know, that was just packed with people that I knew. Um, right. and then, and started getting the confidence to just go out and, and play and share share my songs so like I, maybe i'd play for three hours play like 30 songs and i would sprinkle in some of mine you know what i mean yeah and just yeah. do some do some covers or something but yeah then then i started you know like i'd play a song for like you know 100 people or however many and then it'd be like a pin drop at the end of the song because it's like everyone's like what the fuck was that about you know <laughs> right and uh um, right. yeah so i started getting the confidence to share it and, Wait, um, let me stop you for one second. When you were doing covers, who were you covering? Uh, like Merle Haggard, Chris okay. Knight, um, Ryan Bingham, uh, that Tyler Childers guy a couple years ago. I've been listening for a while, but you know, um, he blew up and started covering, doing some of his stuff. Just guys that are kind of in my Americana mm -hmm. field, I guess. Drive by truckers and. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, and then, and then doing, doing my own songs like that I grew up listening to, but putting like the I, Doc Oliver, my, my own spin on it, you know, like, yeah. like, yeah. us, um, 
you know, Black Hole Sun by fucking Soundgarden and shit like that, you know? Sure. So, um, it's interesting to know what you think, think your songs fit in well with if you're playing a three hour set. That's kind of interesting to hear uh, where, you, where you thought your stuff would slot in with. Yeah. Now it's, now it's like, you know, an hour and a half is just all my songs and, and then I'll, I'll have some fun with some other stuff, but, but yeah, so then COVID hit. Right. And, um, like COVID hit and the guy, they're like, then we don't want to release any content because like, you know, you want to have momentum and then like eight months go by. They're like, okay, well let's release it. They released all the content on YouTube and stuff. We got the, the EP album out there. It's just four, four tracks. And then, um, Still nothing, right? So I was just like, "Fuck this!" Like, I uh, we I recorded a couple singles in the, in the meantime in L.A. with okay. um, the drummer that I met in Nashville, okay. and um, I was like, "You know what? I'm just gonna make a full a full record by myself." Um, you know, like when there's a lull in the fight, you sharpen your fucking tools, get ready for the next thing, right? So it's like definitely a lull. Um, and uh, we went to L.A., recorded this 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 record at um the station house this guy named mark rains yeah yeah and and he's 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 solid um and then uh pete lima did the mastering um so we just sent the files to him and he mastered it um he does and all kinds did, of stuff how did you get in with them because obviously mark rains has won a grammy and pete lyman's been i think grammy nominated right but all over the place yeah i mean so i mean this wasn't like you know a fly-by-night thing so how are you hooking in with them Man, it's like I, I it's just how that in- industry works. When I when I was in Tennessee doing the EP, I met those band members, those guys. Um, Aaron Goodrich was playing drums for Coulter Wall at the time, who's this mm. guy who just blew up. I love his music. And then Mike Ely had playing for like Aaron, Aaron Lewis from Stained, and then another uh, girl named uh, Nikki Lane, who's really popular. So they they had all these connections. Um, I got back, you know, to, to California and we were waiting around Aaron, the drummer, um, hit me up when he, when he was in LA and he's like, Hey, you want to record a couple singles? And I was like, sure. So went, and that's how I met Mark was at that because oh. we did it at his place. Gotcha. And then, you know, and, and, um, and then, yeah, I just reached out to Mark after, you know, a couple months and I was like, Hey man, what would it take to, uh, for me to record a record there. And he's like, just fucking I'll shoot you some dates and we'll start it. Wow. So wow. The band, the band's from here. They're all from work or central coast. My little, my little small town. And oh, um, so you knew them, all the band members are people. Yeah. You know. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That are on this record. Yeah. Um, except, wow. except the bass, the bass player, um, his name's Ted Russell camp and he plays for shooter Jennings. Oh, no um, sure. wow. but we didn't have a bass player at the time. So we, you could say hired him um, to play okay. the eleven the eleven tracks on bass, and I think he did some organ um, on one of the songs. But yeah, so it was just this. I was just like, I'm just a normal guy. I don't know anything. I don't know shit about fuck with the music stuff. But I just know I, I've I've written hundreds of songs, and I wanted to make this one record. This was a long time. This is a while ago, yeah. and I wanted it to be called Welcome Home because that's one of the songs on the on the on the title. I mean, on the track. It's the title track, and um, when, when we recorded this, like earlier in the year, you know, like we, we went in there and did all, all of our stuff and then came home, kind of emails back and forth, mixing some stuff around. 
And then months went by, still COVID's heavy, right? And I'm, I'm not going to just release this um, on my own because it's like it was a big investment for me. Yeah. So I'm talking to record labels and management teams, trying to get someone to bite, you know, sharing my story. You know, this is this is real life stories about real veterans' lives, not just my own. Yeah. I had to call, I had to get permission from all of my friends, family members, and you know, I'm really? like respect, you know, yeah, wow. Wow. to to be able to put this out there, you know. Um, but no one bit, you know, they're too focused on the musicians that they already had, right? They kind of owe it to the guys that are already signed, yeah, you know, sure. to like help them out. They're not gonna take on new talent right now. So, um, so yeah, months went by and then in July, when I noticed what the administration was doing and they're like, going to kind of, to me, like go totally against how I thought this pullout would be. Right. And we're just going to fucking rip everyone out of there by August 31st. I was like, there's no way this is going to be bad, you know? So I was like, you know what? Like, um, it was just fucking weird, but I was like, this, this record's called welcome home. And this is a autobiographical record about pre during and post OEF and even OIF, you know, there's a song called Vietnam man in there too. And some other stuff, but I'm going to ask you about that in a little bit, but yeah. 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 So, so I was like, there's no better time. Like, fuck, why am I even doing this in the first place? This was strictly for me, you know, as therapy and now it's become therapeutic for a lot of other people, you know, fortunately, wasn't meant to be like that but that's what it is and that's why it's so important now but um so i was like fuck it we're gonna release it august 31st called the company got it got it all expedited and everything and um they sent me a couple hundred copies of the cd and then yeah august 31st it was on all the platforms and um and it's it's been um success is measured in so many different ways but to me it's successful because i'm getting I'm I'm reaching I'm getting comments and 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 building relationships with people I don't even know and hearing their stories and how they're you know like knowing that they're not alone and and listening to listening to music that they can actually relate to you know what I mean it's I don't know how annoying it, it is for you but it's like driving in a car if there's only a radio on you know and you're just like fuck like turn and turn and turn and you know so right right yeah what do you find easier do you I'm a, I'm, a, I'm going to take a guess that you find writing the words the lyrics a lot easier than the music. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, that because you have a lot of, you have a lot of things to say. So you probably have stories that are coming out and the words just have to come first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then also like, you know, a tone or like, like uh-huh. a, a riff on a guitar can like, man, that sounds, that sounds sad as fuck. Or, uh-huh. you know, or like, or like, dude, this sounds heavy. Like this could be a heavy something, you know, when you're just jamming, yeah, just messing around, I guess. But, but this record and this album, yeah. And usually how all the songs come out are lyrics first and, um, you know, two deployments to Afghanistan, that's a lot of material that, you know, that, that can be used because every day is different, but I don't have a lot of, you know, the song Helmand yeah. is one, like about one specific day. And then, um, too far gone's about me being in this garage, you know, like fucking losing my mind. And, um, you know, just in case is about, you know, preparation for death. Um, so there, it's kind of all over the, the map. Um, and some of them are, were meant to be one song and then three songs get meshed in the one. It just, yeah. I don't know. 
I'm not a fucking professional, but I mean, yeah. I just know, I just write the songs, you know, but. Well, that's what I want to ask you about the process. Cause I mean, I, th- I think it's interesting. It's something I'm, I'm not an expert on by any stretch of the imagination, but um, as I told you before, I think we actually started the show. Um, when we first connected on Instagram, you know, I never would have said, Hey, come on the show if I hadn't liked the music. And, um, it's been a dark week listening to the music. It's been a really, the music is really good. I really liked it a lot. And I like the variety too, because, um, it's, there's parts of it where it almost feels like stained, but with actual experience, not just kind of hinting at like, you know, uh, trauma or personal agony um metaphors right right and then but then there's things like vietnam man i think is phenomenal and that's very much like a straight up country song and a type of country song you don't hear a lot anymore and i'm not even talking about the lyrics i just mean the music itself um i think is really interesting my personal favorite um was uh where's i want to make sure i say it right and don't butcher the name which i have a habit of doing um was it all all the beautiful things yeah beautiful things beautiful things that's it um i really like that 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 kind of hit home for me and i kind of got more sobby than i cared to on that um but i thought that one was really good um talk me through the process a little bit for you so I'm, i'm sure each song has kind of been a little different but generally how do you even start? So you got, so if you've written the words down, cause obviously you're doing that in isolation, then do you just take it to the guys and say, Hey man, let's just jam. And I'm not even going to think of the words. Let's just jam and come up with music. And I'm going to find a way to marry these two together. Or what's that process like? No, pretty much is like, I sit down with an acoustic guitar and, um, it just, you can't force yourself to write, you know, it just has to come to you and it can come to you. Like when you're driving a car Mm-hmm. Or it can come to you just just in the most random of random times, and you kind of just come up with. It could either be the theme or or a, or a verse or a lyric, you know, or like you know if you're feeling about you're feeling bad for someone or or for an event or something like that. Um, and then you just to me, it's just like having the guitar handy and and a notepad. I like to write. I don't like to type. Mm. Um, and then just and and then just um, just kind of creating this and you know there's songs are written in so many different ways you know there's i mean fuck especially now like there's there could be no structure to them whatsoever but um i kind of just try to build it off as like verse chorus verse chorus that's how i used to start it but a lot of my songs don't even have a chorus in them you know there's no ballad yeah you know yeah Yeah. that's right some of them do but some of them don't it's weird i think um siren your song siren that to me seemed really dylan-ish that seemed like Bob Dylan because it seemed like there was a narrative and it seems like you do like the narrative and it doesn't lend itself to a chorus. It lends itself yeah. to a story. Yeah. And the funny thing about Siren and and the other song, All in All, on those records was I wrote those – I actually wrote those when I was in high school. Oh, really? That was one of the – yeah. So like Siren, like – Siren's like a typical breakup movie, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And you're like Greek, Greek mythology when you're fucking young and then you realize that everyone uses Greek mythology <laughs> for references and stuff. And then the song, you know, so yeah. And, and then the song All in All is a, a, to me a simple song about, um, you know, everyone like when, when they're having a trial in their life or something like that, everyone has their 
sometimes has their thing like and a big one's like religion for some people um you know like there's all kinds of different religions right and um growing up for me it was like the christianity thing was always pushed on us and it was always involved in something happy it was like oh we're going to surf camp for christians or skateboarding camp and it was always like happy as fuck right and i read revelations when i was young and i'm like dude this is fucking scary ass shit like why is everyone so fucking happy like everything in the bible is like gnarly as fuck like we should all be freaked out but um you know as a young young and you're kind of forcing that like you'd always or some people maybe like maybe pray or you know or, or like you know for strength and stuff like that all in all is just was my um advice or whatever is that like you just need fucking faith in yourself to get through shit sometimes you know what i mean like mm-hmm. having faith in yourself is like is the most important thing i feel like you know instead of living your life thinking that like everything's like i have faith that you know like that i'm gonna be okay or i have faith that you know my car is gonna work or i don't know so no. all in all is yeah. all in all is like 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 you keep asking for like oh oh lord help me blah 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 but like it's never getting better and then you just have to say fuck this i'm grabbing life by the balls and i'm gonna make life my own that's what yeah, it's sort of god helps those that help themselves type thing you know yeah yeah know. no i think i think there's some there's some there there's uh the song that i think had the most let me let me try to put this in a less well, I'll, I'll just say the, the word that comes to no, mind. No, I'll just say it, man. Yeah, the, the word that comes to mind is cognitive dissonance, and that's Elmer's. Because Elmer's yeah. feel, the music feels comic, bouncy, catchy, um, like it's a feel-good song. And it's like, dude, this is some dark shit. But it, yeah. but it has like – but there you have your refrain, right? And you have – and it's like a catchy – it's a catchy tune. Uh, tell me about that. Where do, I mean, I it's kind of obvious where all those different stanzas come from. But tell me about like how you married that to the music and how you feel about the song. Um, so Elmer's is like the local favorite because it's actually our local watering hole down the street. Like it's, it's a bar in Orchid. Um, simple song about kind of like reasons why I'd find myself getting fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like getting annihilated. And, um, and it's because of like, you know, like A, B, and C. My, my songs are really easy to follow. You just have to listen to them. But, you know, if you go to like a barbecue or if you're doing something and like everyone's hanging out and you got music playing and it's like, you know, mainstream country or something like thousands of dollars went into this one song, like multiple, like so much money. And it's just like background music. You know what I mean? Like no one's really paying attention. And if you do, it's like the lyrics are like, maybe, I mean, like it's a great song. It's a catchy song about something you know i don't know daisy dukes and boot well i don't know but um elmer's is like cool because it's like people can easily just put it on and like just have it playing in the background yeah Yeah. and then and then there's like a i kind of try to do this in my songs but like i put this big pause at the end you know i have a lyric and it paused you know it's like and then another lyric like cancer spread to my mom's head and everyone's like what the fuck or like even with hellman yeah. Like what's going on? And then it makes the listener want to maybe go back, like rewind it and listen yeah. to it from yeah. the beginning. And they'll be like, what is this shit all about? You know, like what, what is this song? Because, because it was cool. And then it's like stopped and it's like, Oh wait, Oh, this guy's got something to say, you know? Well, and that's what, that's really what comes out when you, when I take all your work together, you're just a guy that has a lot to say and a lot of yeah. stories. 
And, and I think, and that's what my biggest takeaway is you're sitting there and you're, um, I mean, the music, uh, like I really liked, there's a bunch of songs where the music stood out and the more times I listened, it was like, you know, you're, uh, I think Wordsworth said the, the sweetest song is the one already heard, you know, and, yeah. and there's certain ones where it's like, oh yeah, shit, this is a good one. Um, but, but the biggest star to me is, is your storytelling and that you're, and tell me about Vietnam, man, where that came from. And, uh, yeah, just kind of the genesis of the, uh, especially of the lyrics of that song. Yeah. So I had met a homeless veteran like over a decade ago. And before I was even in, I was buying beer to go to the beach and this guy wasn't holding up a sign saying Vietnam veteran. He didn't have wasn't fucking littered in American flags on his hat and his shoulder and all this shit. He was just this fucking dude hanging out. And I went in and I, I, I got him, um, like a, a, a case of beer, like a, like mm. shitty beer, like steel yeah. reserves or something like that. And, uh, it was all I could afford. And I was like, Hey man, like he, here, I thought you could use some beer. And he's like, Oh, he's like, you don't have to, or he's like, thank you. Thank you. son." blah, blah. blah. And I talked to him. He told me he was a non-veteran and, and just, I knew a little bit about, at that time, like about, you know, the logistics of the war, but I didn't like quiz him or anything, but he, and he was, I've, and I, I mean, I know now from experience, like it's, it's not like the super quiet guys that, you know, that they had an experience. You, you, that's kind of like, you know, you hear about that, but he, you, you just, you could just tell, you know what I mean? He was old. And, and I was like, man, so I just remember that. And I remember it changed my life because it was something that you just never know what people are going through. You're in, you're in a grocery store line. It's taking forever. And the person in front of you could be, you never know, you know, you just don't know. Even if they're like super overweight, they could have been a fucking badass. That was, you know what I mean? So it, it, yeah. yeah. Sorry. That just made me laugh because that was literally today uh, that I was on a (laughs) work for some people in Afghanistan. um, Speaking of Afghanistan. And uh, I started getting some messages while I was waiting in Walmart to check out. And this lady, like five people behind me yelled and she was like, sir, move forward. And I looked, I was like, oh, there's a big gap and all that. (laughs) Initially, I was like really pissed off. I was like, fuck you, you know what I'm doing. But it's like, (laughs) you know what I'm doing right now? Yeah. And I was like, don't be that fucking psycho. Like just fucking walk up and, you know, do your thing. So anyway, it's funny. It takes a while, dude. It takes a while. It takes a while to weed out your inner. I used to go like. I, I, I like started like, I don't know. I like prayed for those moments, you know, where someone would be like, you know, I'm like, Oh yeah, here it is. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> well, how much of you, how much of that was, was actually from him and how much of that was you just kind of imagining his experience? It was, it was all just imagination. I think cause yeah. I met him and he was homeless. And then you see a lot of this stuff around too. You don't know it, all of them who really are, sure. you don't, you don't, you know, like who, who are just trying to, make a buck or whatever but um what coming home on my first tour i i i ended up taking a, getting a flight to my hometown and my mom she, you know she was she was around at the time um had the fucking welcome home shit you know the local welcome home the banners that not shit i mean it, i mean no, whatever yeah I uh motorcycle motorcycle club there and all this stuff and it was like it was really cool um, but I mean, after my second tour, I was like, mom, like, I don't want anybody like picking me up, like, or, 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 or actually I had my, my fiance now, or I mean, or Mary, my wife now, but, um, at the time fiance, just telling her like, you know, when we get home, when we land in LA, like, 
like, let's just get a ride and just get home and then just chill. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. And, um, and it's like, you have, we have the luxury. I had the luxury of just like, Oh, like people want to fucking have any reason or I really, people that really fucking stoked, you know, I don't know, just to, to welcome me home. And then knowing about the Vietnam veterans and how they were just completely mistreated. It was, it was the first war that was really televised. Right. And, and, media can do whatever the fuck they want and make anything happen. But, um, I know that there's people that cared for the Vietnam people, you know, and, and the, the children's and, and the women and stuff like that. There was just like how in Afghanistan it is, you know? Um, but they just were treated differently. And I was like, you know what? Like I, I already feel like, Oh yeah. Like we're, we're, uh, I already feel like this war's we're, we're ghosts now. And like the Vietnam war, like, and all the other wars, is like, I don't know. They don't, no one's talking about it still, or they're taking it out of books. I don't know. I was like, so I, we need to make a song. I need, a, I need a song about this fucking Vietnam veteran and just in everyone's face. Like you fucking spit on us yeah. when we were, when we came back and homelessness and, and drug addiction and all this stuff was just because it wasn't because these guys were pieces of shit when they joined. It's because of what happened to them when they got back, you know? Yeah. So where I just, the, I needed where did the music yeah. come from in that song. Was that, was that because you guys were jamming and you just figured it out or did you intend for it to kind of take you kind of veer hard into a kind of old country style? No, I think it started a slow song. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Like the guy's happy to be alive. You know what I mean? Like, he, uh, like nothing can get this guy down. So it's just, it's just kind of like a trotting song. You know, if you could, yeah. you could literally think this is a song the guy's, walking through their towns and shit and everyone just thinks he's a homeless dude. No one knows all the crazy things. You just sit down and talk to him and he'll tell you, he'll fucking change your life. And, and then, you know, and, and, and then you realize that, um, he, he was a soldier and, you know, he doesn't, but he's kind of like me. He doesn't need or d doesn't want, I guess. And I don't like to say this because I don't want the guys that, you know, some of my friends too, who, who are like this, you know, to get, to take it the wrong way it's just not how i am but you know i don't need to wear a bunch of american flag patches to remember what country i fought for and where i live right. and stuff you know what i mean right. like i'm all about like like showing my love and stuff but um i almost feel like it's me targeting myself you know <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. i try to look yeah. i try to look as fucking even when i was in i try to look as fucking as normal as fuck you know yeah. but yeah. anyways um yeah. yeah i just thought he was deserving of a song so uh, th this is a question I probably should have asked up front. What kind of music do you consider that you make? I mean, obviously, from my taste, it looks like you veer between like kind of country. There's some metalish influences I can tell. But what do you what do you consider yourself? Man, there's so many different like genres and subgenres now. Yeah, I can I can comfortably say like I can in my own head be like, yeah, sure, like I, I'm a country artist, but perception is a funny thing right and to someone else they think a country is like what you're hearing now to me it's like merle haggard waylon jennings hank yeah. williams johnny cash storytelling stuff you know and then i also kind of grew up like you know my dad was you know he's an old timer but i grew up in the listening to the woodstock stuff you know like arlo guthrie and kind of hippier wow. music yeah sure and that kind of stuff and then and then obviously like I live in California, so there's like fucking punk, yeah. you know, and yeah. surf shit, surf rock, whatever you want to call it, and then the hardcore stuff. And so I, I would call it Americana, uh. Americana music. 
um, or 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 I think it's called Outlaw Country now or Alternative Country maybe. Um, but it's just yeah, I can dig that. Yeah, but it's yeah. just it's just um, I'm not trying to be against the grain. I'm just I'm just doing my own thing. Um, I think I mentioned earlier it's successful getting the the feedback from you could say fans or, you know, people who appreciate the music and, and, and enjoy it and, and, and have a story that relates to it and that success. But like, I haven't, um, my bank account's not showing any success right now, you know, like nothing's yeah, happened sure. like that. Sure. But, um, but we've been given, I've been given some great opportunities. Like we opened up for a mainstream country guy named John party a couple weeks ago, sure. thousands of people there. And then we're open for another guy named Justin Moore in a couple of weeks. Not, I'm, I don't even know if the guy says fuck in any of his songs, but <laughs> I, I, you know, like I, 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 they're giving me the opportunity to do this and it's like, yeah, that's good. You know, if I can change a life. Oh, hundred you know, percent. And that's great exposure. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, dude, you're building it up, man. I mean, shit, you just started recording what, two years ago? You know, I mean, my yeah. God, man, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty fast ascension when you go and you start playing for some of these bigger crowds and you're getting the live feedback, that instant gratification, which of your tracks are seem to take off the most, which ones are you like, yeah, here's the crowd pleaser. Here's what's going to get the heads bobbing. Yeah. Elmer's is obviously like a really good one. Um, Too far gone is like really fucking in your face, you know, kind of kicks them in the chest. Yeah. But to be completely honest with you, to be completely honest with you, and it's my favorite song on the record, uh, "Beautiful Thing." Yeah, um, I try to put that one in there because um, it's you know people go to concert, people listen to music for all sorts of reasons, right? Like, like people just like music to dance to. Um, you know, people like to go, uh, or I don't know, just music for barbecuing and just having the background. My music's thinking music. It's it's it's, but it's it's. I'm I'm going to be sharing experiences of like the guys who aren't around anymore to share theirs, you know, um, respectfully, uh, that's just like, that's just my, my, my job, my goal. And and to, and to continue to help heal the wounds of, 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 of people like me, um, and continue to heal my own. Um, but beautiful thing just fucking does that for, it doesn't matter if you protested the, all this wars and stuff like that. Like, um, yeah, I think it's just a, it's a good song and it's a true song. It's about, it's about, um, a family that's from my hometown. Um, mm. and, and, a, and a, a girl that, that I grew up with, I, I was her uh, younger brother's good friend in high school. And she married a EOD technician from an air force base actually close by Vandenberg. Yeah, true. And, um, yeah. And, uh, his name is senior airman, Daniel Johnson. Um, he's the only Vandenberg, uh, well, now it's called space force base, but, um, he's the only, uh, Vandenberg, um, veterans actually die in combat, um, from, from that base. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and so having a a few different people of my, on my teams die and then, you know, and then his story too, you know, that was right before my, my deployment, um, scary shit. Um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm, it's just not my style to like, to like abuse and, and use every single fucking day in people's lives to make a song. Right, right. Beautiful thing is beautiful thing is, is, is a compilation, a compilation of, of a lot of different people's stories in the one, you know? So kind of like Daniel, like taking a cabin, you know, going, 
get, getting, getting to the airport and going on his tour, you know, and then, and then him losing his life overseas and to full circle to talk about when I mentioned some things that I live by and, you know, life's too short to focus on the negative, you got to find the positive. So I, I'd call the thing, I call the song beautiful thing. Um, even though I don't, I'm not religious at all and, or anything like that, but, um, I know there's a lot of people that are, it's so I'm not, I'm not going to take that away from people, you know, with my yeah. music. So, yeah. so yeah. So beautiful things just, it's, it's a, it's just a fucking two verse story about, um, a guy who didn't make it home, you know? No, it's a great story. And, and you're right. I, I, I get the neuroses about, you know, not wanting to see it seem exploitive, exploitative, I guess, of people's deaths. Um, but yeah. these are all personal stories for you. And this is all stuff that you're, you know, um, have a direct connection to. And um, God knows you're doing right by them. And um, that is it's a beautiful song. Um, talk to me about the future. So obviously you're going to be plugging this album for a minute. And you're going to be, you know, doing all kinds of live events and what have you. But at some point you're getting back in the studio to start churning out something else, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's, I'm most excited to do that. I wish I could just make records and just never have to go <laughs> fucking. Right. Because that's the most fun part. But, um. So what, yeah, are, this, what this, are you working on? Yeah. Yeah, this, 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 this last one's called Welcome Home. It's dark. It's gnarly. I, there's the radio. The radio stations are playing it, like local ones, and then it's on Sirius XM Outlaw Country, which is great. Uh, Shooters playing it, but it's dark. It's not for everyone. And um, I have some other song, you know, or I, I've written a lot, but I have a theme of of another album um, that is, you could just say, a little bit more happier. I'm not changing anything about the the way that I write or anything, but there's just there's a there's a little bit more about the fun stuff you can you, i don't know like you know like the shit in the barracks type situations you know or, or mm -hmm. me being 19 years old before i joined and and trying to go to college and relating to those guys the 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 the, the people like me who um just partied and and didn't get degrees and stuff just you know like get, given yeah. Yeah. relating more but well, yeah, the goal stories. it's still the stories yeah. that are personal to you. You know, it's just more. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. And of a different I, I stick to what I stick to what I know, man. I'm not going to write or even waste time trying to do something that I that I'm just not comfortable with or that I know. But um, yeah, the goal is to just keep doing this. And hopefully, you know, COVID in 2022, you know, whatever. I don't even want to. I'm I don't I'm not I don't try to talk politics because I I feel like I'm just uneducated on every subject. And then also I don't know what to believe anymore. So right. I just fucking, right. I just shut up and color. Yeah. But, yeah. um, but, but I'm hoping that it opens up. Yeah. yeah. And then we yeah. could start touring with some of these bands that are, that are, um, you know, that, that I really enjoy and that, that are giving me good feedback. But the, the goal is just to keep doing this. And then maybe what I'm trying to do, Cause I pushed the mill. I pushed all the veteran stuff like so far down and in, in a way, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm realized I got my head out of my ass and I, you know, there's, there's a lot to be done out there, especially we, how we just got out of this war. Like we can't, we all have to fucking stick together right now. So I'm, I'm, I want to, I want to try to get in some organizations which I'm talking to, I know wounded warrior project, but sure. I had ties sure. with them. I had ties with them from the wounded warrior battalion out of uh, Naval hospital Balboa, but Semper Fi fund, and, um, I've done some stuff for like vet forward and some other organizations, but talking to all these 
you know, and, and then maybe just being one of those, one of those little niches of, or, or funnels of music therapy, trying to, trying to get involved that way. Um, and then also just if people don't want to write songs or, but they have a story to tell, like, you know, just, just maybe helping them do that. I don't know. Just, there's so many different outlets. There's yeah. so many different ways yeah. you can go, but my main goal is just to continue to like, to give back and to try to take care of our, you know, our, our, our folks that, that have, um, that are still in or getting out or, you know, I don't know. It's just well, get yeah. more involved. But also, but, but, and, and that's, and that is important and that's all good, but you also got a lot more stories in you that, that need mining. And yeah, I mean, I, 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 I just scratched the surface, off it, but yeah, that's right. Starting to dive in and dig into that more. Um, yeah. dude, we've done two hours, man. That's freaking awesome. That was, well, that, that's yeah. freaking great. Listen, tell everybody where they can find you, your Instagram, your website, all that. So they can track you down and hear this for themselves. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Just, um, social media, it's doc Oliver, D O C Oliver and, um, doc Oliver music.com is the website. You could YouTube, you can find the music on anywhere, Amazon, um, uh, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, all of that stuff. Um, you can YouTube it if you'd like, or you could just send me a, a message, doc, Oliver music at Gmail or Instagram or something. And I will personally send you, um, a copy of the CD signed in the mail. We have shirts and posters and stuff, but I've sent a bunch to the Netherlands, to Jordan, um, some folks in Afghanistan, you know, um, and they've been getting them. So it's great. So it's working. Um, sure, it's just, I appreciate all the support that everyone's given me and, and, um, and, uh, it just, I, like I said at the beginning, this is, this is, was not my goal and isn't my goal to be fucking famous or do any of that shit. Like I, I just want to get these songs out there, um, and just relate with people and, um, and then maybe go have some fun and play, play a tour and, and, and get to meet these yeah. people that I've, that I've been com- communicating with, you know, and, and, um, and just build this up because it's been a fucking dark couple of years, man. And, um, I mean, I'm as dark as it is. I still choose to sit in a dark room all the time, but yeah, we need to just, we need to get out there and, and it's easier said than done, but you just got to get out there and start fucking putting our heads together and, um, and helping each other out, you know? Well, it's, and it's also, I think just sharing your gifts, dude, not everybody can write songs. Not everybody can, you know, put music together and, and, and perform it. And you have a talent and you're doing it and you're doing it with the best of reasons. And the music's good, man. Um, and that's, that's like, means a lot. No, well, I mean, it. I, I say we wouldn't be doing this if I, if I didn't think otherwise, um, dude, this has been a pleasure, brother. Um, everybody check out doc and, um, Hey, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, man. I hope to see you and 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 uh, in the future, and we'll we'll um, yeah, we'll keep you posted, man. Thanks for your time. Hundred percent. That was the Savage Wonder of Doc Oliver. You've been listening to Savage Wonder, the podcast for warriors and artists, and a production of the Veterans Repertory Theater. Opinions expressed do not represent anything or anyone other than the person who said them. Check out what's going on with us at vetrep.org. Again, vetrep.org. And if you like the written word, if you love reading fiction, poetry, creative nonfiction, 
subscribe to the Savage Wonder Literary Blog at savagewonder.substack.com. Or you can go find us at vetrep.org backslash now playing with a hyphen between the now and the playing. So again, that's vetrep.org backslash now hyphen playing. And you can always subscribe to this podcast at savagewonder.podbean.com or again, find it at vetrep.org backslash now playing with a hyphen between the now and the playing. Um, Or wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can just subscribe there. If you're on iTunes, we would love your five-star review. Please feel free to leave whatever feedback you like, questions, comments, snide remarks, any kind of constructive criticism, or even deconstructive criticism. But if you get attached to a five-star review, that would be deeply appreciated. Any other feedback you may have, please give us a follow at Veterans Repertory Theater or Vet Rep Theater on Twitter. Um, Sorry, Veterans Repertory Theater is on uh, Facebook. Vet Rep Theater is on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Again, as I say every week, nobody knows how to spell repertory. I got it. But if you are finding us on Facebook, it's Veterans Repertory, R-E-P-E-R-T-O-R-Y, Theater in the American spelling, E-R, not R-E. If you want to submit your work to Veterans Repertory Theater or to our literary blog, please go to vetrep.org backslash submissions. Basically, go to vetrep.org, cruise through the tabs there. You'll see stuff that will pertain to you for our playwriting competitions, our submissions, or any place to follow, any any kind of uh, content that we're producing that you want to follow, whether it's at the literary blog, whether it's on the podcast, or any of our upcoming live events. As always, thanks to our producer, Mike Neal. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer on behalf of the Veterans Repertory Theater. See you next time when we'll dive further into the savage wonder of it all.